Welcome to the round 11 Supercoach Coach podcast. We are almost at the halfway mark on the precipice of the buys. I'm Marcus, and this week we've got Faz joining us. Welcome back to the show, Faz. G'day, mate. Good to be back. And Dunny. Welcome back to the show, Dunny. Thanks, mate. Uh, excellent to be back. Uh, looking forward to having a chat. I know you had a particularly good week this week, Dunny, and sometimes the Super Coach Coach podcast invite can come with some bad juju, but uh, you've broken the <laughs> curse this week. So why don't you regale us with uh, the positive week and then Faz and I can sort of lick our wounds afterwards. Uh, we'll bring the mood down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I must admit uh, the, the invite for the podcast came at a, a really good week for me this week. Uh, I ended up with a 2473, which I was... Uh, very, very happy with. Had a bit of luck uh, with my captain this week. I took uh, Clayton Oliver. I was tossing up between him and Neil, and he got locked out before I could actually change it. So I was quite happy with that uh, little result. But a couple of trade-ins that I've had lately that I've been really happy with. A few weeks ago, I picked up Sicily when he was at the bottom of his price cycle, and he's really been paying off, scoring a 122 this week. I picked up Christian Petrarca this week. Uh, nice. Picked him up for Matt Rao uh, with his 114. So really happy with that. Uh, I did jump up a fair way in the rankings, but still a long way behind uh, yourself, Marcus and, and Mark, but uh, hopefully tracking you down soon. Nice. Congrats. That's a big week and some good trade-ins there. Fellas, I think I got the wooden spoon of the three of us. Uh, why don't you go next then? Sandwich in the middle. Yeah, sure thing. I'm certainly holding the wooden spoon for season rank, but you can have it for this <laughs> week. I only moved up uh, about 800 spots and still sitting outside the top 20,000, unfortunately. I had a couple of lean weeks. Uh, I think I was the best of the podcasters about three weeks ago. And while you've all been moving up, I've been uh, rapidly moving backwards. My moves this week, uh, one of them I was pretty happy with, brought in Darcy Parrish for the Jack Steele injury. Also went with Rory Thompson. So I was feeling pretty good about that decision sort of midway through the first quarter. I think Thompson was already on about 30 points. Buku had, had barely touched the ball. Uh, and then we all know what happened there with Thompson going down with injury. That's quite an unfortunate one. Dems the brakes uh, with the super coach. Feeling all right about the team. It's reasonably well set up for buys and similar to most, you know, one or two trades left off a fully upgraded side. Yeah, I think scoring ceiling is going to be important this year with everybody finishing their teams pretty early and a lot of trades still left up their sleeve. So going to be interesting to see how the back end of the season goes. I think the must-have players will really define the second half of the season. So it's going to be interesting. I was at 23-14, uh, where I'm ranked. That was enough to unfortunately push me down, down about 1,300 spots. But I'll take that. Proust out, English still being out, meant that I traded to avoid a donut rather than using my cash for the week. So with English on the bench and 500k off the park, was basically three premiums down and I will take a slight slide considering that. I might even bring in a couple of Bulldogs this week. So three more Bulldog premiums potentially playing next week than this week, which would be wild and uh, hopefully continue some upward momentum. It's the first break I've had in forward movement in a little bit. So. Can't complain too much. 
All right, in terms of our Supercoach Coach group, going to give a quick shout out to our top scorers there for the week. Our Patreon group was top scored by Daniel's team, Blue Steel, with a massive 25.87 score. Huge. Top 150 round rank and into the top 1200. So congratulations to Blue Steel. And in our Supercoach Coach group, top score there was John's the Yank in Oz, one of our longtime vets, 25.90 was his score. Congratulations to those two scores. I almost kissed 2,600, but huge scores nonetheless. And big moves up the ladder. Before we finish up with our uh, weekly wrap-up, I think Mark in the group chat uh-huh. wanted us to, to make sure that he mentioned. Uh-huh. I think he wanted to... Was it that, that he's still behind you in the overall rankings? Was that what it was? Or? I think that's what he, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what he said to mention. Yeah. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. just make sure everyone knows Marcus is still in front of me. Yeah. And no idea Thanks, how his Jets. weekly score compared to yours. But. I appreciate you, Phil. <laughs> we, we won't say anymore. So this week's topic's a bit interesting. There's a bit of juggling going on in terms of planning for trades. And that's because we have the buyers coming up. And in looking to finish our teams, a lot of people are keeping their eye to the new DPP players and who they might want to bring into the forward line. And obviously those don't come online for another week. And in other instances, people are looking to finish their upgrades trading around the buys. So it's probably the first week so far this season where looking at the ownership change statistics is not particular standouts in terms of potential trade-in and trade-outs beyond probably Luke Cleary is the clear potential standout rookie from uh, popularity stakes this week. So we'll tackle a little bit of the topics that we have in terms of top trade-in and trade-out candidates. And then Faz has had a quick look to some value premiums that uh, we're going to call out as well. So let's crack on into the show. We'll start off with the popular trade out targets for the week. And the top three this week are Nick Martin, Nick Dacos, and Matt Rao, all of which dropped in price this week, which is not ideal for people still holding them, but certainly an impetus to look at ditching them without them sliding even further. Probably start off with Nick Martin, who... Last week, we did have a chat about him looking like he's reached his bubble price. Unfortunately, had his lowest score of the season following a 59 in the previous week. He only scored a 49 against Richmond. Dropped 17K, facing a break-even of 116 and around 12 Bly. So he only really plays Port before you have to swap him out. Probably a good reason to just bite the bullet this week. Faz, you're obviously watching the game. Any particular insight into Martin hitting the wall or was it just not conditions that suited his game? What would you put it down to? I'm not sure if it exactly matches up here, but I was having a think about this earlier today and I thought maybe Ben Hobbs coming into the team and I guess getting a, a bigger role in the in the midfield. That's one thing that I think it might be impacting Martin's scoring. The SN supporters probably particularly if you've been at the games and you can sort of see that the whole field, you see Hobbs has been presenting pretty well all season, but for that, the first few games he played, they seemed to be sort of ignoring him. I don't know if he wasn't in the right spots tactically, or they just didn't quite trust him yet, but they seem to be going to him a bit more frequently now. And Martin's really been a good sort of link up player 
he didn't sort of look particularly hampered or like he was overly tired or anything like that, but maybe just that there's another option now with Hobbs getting involved in the link up that sort of could be playing a bit of a role there. But I think, you know, regardless that there was possibly a bit of a hope a few weeks ago, he had that run there where prior to the last two weeks that you've already mentioned, I think his lowest score was a 71 and he's been hovering around that 85 to hundred mark for quite a few weeks. He sort of seemed like he could be a good guy if he could manage the round 12 by hold him as buy cover for rounds 13, 14, and then look as a final upgrade. But I think with that break even sitting at 116, it's a pretty important amount of cash he's going to drop. Really no surprise to see him as one of the most traded out players this week. Yeah, I ended up trading him last week. I think the round 12 by uh, makes a lot of sense in terms of the other two players. Obviously both have a later buy, so the, the temptation to move earlier on him makes sense. Donny, do you have any of these three players left in your side? So I traded out Raul this week. He left my side for Petrarca coming in. Uh, I do still have Dacos and Martin, and they're definitely in my plans to both trade out this week. Initially, I did want to hold particularly Dacos because he has the round 14 by. I may still lean that way, but uh, at this stage, Martin is definitely going to be going for me this week. It's just a matter of who to bring in. I was really would have loved those next lot of DPPs to drop this week. So hopefully one of those Bulldogs picked up forward status. I could just slot him straight into the forward line there for Martin. But you're right. Yeah, you could look at holding Martin, but really he's only got one game, then he's by. The game against Port is here in Adelaide. So how's he going to go in that? Who knows? And I think if you're going to hold any of those three guys, I think Dacos would probably be the one that I would look to hold uh, as that cover. Just with that round 14 by, he's... Scoring has has slowed a little bit, but I think Raul certainly has to go after his poor performance in the last few rounds, particularly on the weekend where you can't accept a 39 from a guy sitting in your midfield, 400 plus K. He would be definitely high on my list to move on. Raul's definitely the most interesting one to look at this week. I probably been pushing to hold him. He plays Hawthorne and North next, which are fantastic games to have. A midfielder for, but the challenge is with a 128 break even, even mm. if he scores another 280s from here, he's going to drop another 30 plus K in the next yeah. two rounds. So the 39 just makes it so tough. Even a score in sort of the 60s would have been not so difficult. I think the other thing that was concerning, which I don't quite understand why. Is he only played 67% time on ground and he's been playing about 83% most games. So there was a specific downshift in terms of not using him and they did inject Swallow in the midfield in the second quarter. So whether it's a niggle or pushing him out due to form, uh, it's certainly worrying and never ideal to trade somebody out after a 20k price drop, but I think it's even riskier holding on despite the good oppositions. As painful as it is, I'm probably looking at trading Raul out, which personally pretty frustrating. I had plans to trade him out to Sam Walsh after a couple more, hopefully, big games. Uh, Faz, any thoughts on that and whether or not you might choose to roll the dice? We, we did see Cornelio get close to his break even after a pretty disappointing game. Can Raul do something similar? He's shown that scoring potential in the past that he can go real big. Personally, I traded Raul out a number of weeks ago now. I think 
probably move too early on on that trade, but I don't think you mentioned you traded him out last week. I think that was probably yeah. the perfect time to do it. Also with the way a lot of teams are set up for round 13, I think most teams are going to need to make some moves before round 13 to get enough players on the field. You know, McRae's in pretty much every team. Tuke Miller's a popular pick. And then you've also got Greg Clark, uh, McComb. There's quite a few in the midfield with that round 13 buy. So I think you're going to be moving Raul sometime in the next two weeks. In my eyes, I just do it now and avoid that potential 30k price drop that, that you mentioned Marcus there's an outside chance that he that he holds on and and scores well but I think with Cogs last week there's probably enough reasons to hold out hope that he'd turn the scoring around with the new coach and potentially a new role I don't see there being any big changes at, at Gold Coast and there's plenty of options that are you know only 100 odd k above that and you can get yourself a, a pretty good upgrade there so I think I'd be tempted to pull the trigger there and, and make that trade I agree with Dacos just with his buy and his break even being the person most likely to keep. Potentially, the only question mark is do you hold off on your upgrades if I guess he's your last player left to upgrade? But certainly, with a break even of 88, Carlton, Hawthorne, Melbourne to come, even if he scores in the 70s the next three weeks, he only drops about 10k. But he hasn't scored a 100 plus score or close to 100 score in, in quite a while now. Uh, I think this is six weeks now in the 70s um, or thereabouts. So if you have the cash to upgrade, all three probably fine to move on and have serviced our team well enough. On to some trade in targets, and we'll start off by talking about rookies. So by far the clearest trade candidate for the week, Luke Cleary. Defender at 117k. He is playing for the Western Bulldogs, which probably been the biggest question marks in terms of his job security, especially as we look to cover in the back half of the season. But he's looked really good the first couple of games, especially the last game. Certainly doesn't look like he's going to be dropped. I'd expect that he's going to go through with his bubble game. There are quite a few people excited about picking him up and a few Bulldog supporters excited about his long-term prospects. Uh, of course, it only takes a couple of poor games for a rookie to get dropped. But at this stage, you know, if Buku was the top trade-in option last week, I think Cleary's job security looks as solid. In terms of players to return, I think there's more risk to the mid-forwards than there are potentially a backline player like Cleary. Interested to get your thoughts. Faz, have you looked at Cleary at all? Yeah, I had a bit of a look at him. I'd agree he looks like the standout option this week. Crozier is probably the only player currently outside the AFL team that would be a sort of a risk of coming back and taking Cleary's spot. He was a, a draft pick from last year, pretty late in the draft at pick 61, but he's a bit older he, he played that extra year in the under 18s so he's already 20 years old now I think he's still got a pretty slight frame to him but one more year of development probably means he's less likely to need a rest obviously we want players for bench cover for the rest of the season but the real key is will he play for the next month and and provide that cover through the buyers and I think he's shown enough in the next few weeks that he, he's probably got at least you know, one poor game in him before he gets dropped I don't think it'd be one poor performance and then he gets dropped I think it it would need to be a couple of bad games and that pretty much sees us through the buys 
He's noted for his good kicking and an intercept player. So both uh, attributes that translate well to super coach scoring. So it could be a pretty handy pickup, particularly if you can get him on field and you'll have that option over the next few weeks to play him on field uh, with other players missing through the bye. The round 13 bye is a little unfortunate because again, that's the round teams are most overloaded with bye players. But as we'll get into with some of the other options, both Cooper Stevens and Joel Jeffrey, who are on the bubble this week, are also round 13 buys. So uh, we don't exactly have too many good alternatives there. And I think mentioned with Buku and Rory Thompson last week that there really haven't been a lot of backline options coming through. I, I could see Cleary coming into quite a few teams this week, given the lack of backline rookies we've had all year. Any thoughts on Joel Jeffrey or Cooper Stevens that Faz mentioned, Dunny, in terms of alternatives to Cleary? And I suppose probably the most interesting thing to note is they do all play on different lines. So if you are full up in the back line, you may be forced to look at one of these other two options if you need a downgrade. Yeah, exactly what I was thinking there, Marcus. You, you really got to sort of look at where you do need that downgrade to happen. I agree, Faz. I, I actually quite like the look of Cleary. And if I hadn't bought in Buku last week, I probably would pick him up. But I don't really want two players from the same team as my bench cover. Uh, it makes it very hard to loot if I want to do something like that. Uh, look, Cooper Stevens, uh, I've seen uh, a little bit of his work. Yeah, he looks a solid scorer. I'm just not sure I trust uh, Chris Scott with with his player selections and just sticking with a rookie for a while. Although I just saw a notification come up, Danger's out for a, a couple of weeks apparently. So could uh, open up you know, a role for him to stick around in the side a bit longer, potentially, who knows? And uh, I'm not sure, he missed around nine. Do you know why that was, Marcus? I can't recall. Just got dropped from the side. Yeah. I think they, and, they and, played him as a sub, didn't they? That, that yeah, week. that's right. He was the sub, yeah. And, and that's a concern if... If he's sort of in that frame for a sub, uh, it makes me worry a little bit about, you know, whether he will get a game right through the buys or not. But I'd probably prefer him over Joel Jeffrey myself. Yeah, I think Jeffrey's job security seems pretty decent. Uh, they sound like they've been waiting for him to hit some form to introduce him to the team. But that I think getting games into him and, and him being a longer-term player, certainly in the eyes of... Stuart Dew kicked five goals in quite an impressive performance, but his scoring is going to be highly variable based on that. 95 yeah. points was what he managed based on five goals. You only have to look to the week before to see what happens when he doesn't score goals. And you're talking scores that can be sub 30. So not a guy that reliably you want to have on field, but if he does come on at the right time, uh, can spike a decent game. Uh, I think job security-wise, if, if you have a choice, because the DPPs between Jeffrey and Stevens, I'd probably be more confident in Jeffrey than Stevens, Yeah. who I think, yeah, job security is, is very, very much questionable. I'd like to see Stevens get around being a Geelong supporter, but there's more than enough players that they want to give games to, and including Menangola still to return and, Players like that, yeah, Stevens doesn't look like he'll get a sustained run. And I don't necessarily think he did enough, you know, if Danger wasn't missing to be confident about his playing even as soon as next week. But you'd think with Danger being out that he may play till the buzz. Not quite old enough to make your side though, is he? 
Marcus. <laughs> bit, bit young. That is true. That is true. Just on the uh, the concerns with Joel Jeffries' uh, scoring potential, uh, as well as the 25 he had so two weeks ago, I had to look back at his scoring from last year. He played the last four rounds of the year. Scores of 27, 33, 45, and negative one. Not exactly blowing us out of the park with his scoring. And also his 10 disposals on the weekend was a career high. So I think you're right that he might snag another one if he gets another bag at some point in the season. But I could also see a pretty low score up ahead. And that's the problem, given that we might be relying on him on field throughout the buys. I think probably the the move for those who did take Rory Thompson last week is probably to look to just as much as we don't like to side swap a rookie. I don't think you can hold Thompson the time that he's going to be out. It's just move him to Cleary in the defense and ride him through the buys. Yeah, spot on, Danny. That That's what I'm looking at doing as a Thompson to Cleary trade. I thought I'd just mention, John, I'd, I'd be careful if anyone's sort of looking at, we've got guys like McCartan or DeConing who are at a nice price. If you're playing any of them on field, you'd probably don't want to be going a downgrade from, let's say, DeConing to Cleary and then leaving yourself with three, say it was Buku, Cleary and another defensive rookie who, who's at a pretty low price, like a Perez, because then it can be pretty yeah. hard to to do the upgrade from there because you're stuck with a bunch of sort of sub 200k players. Yeah, look, I think you're right, Faz. Uh, you certainly don't want to have three of those really cheap guys uh, that you're rotating through the back line there. Uh, I want to keep at least one of McCartan or DeConing to play on field until you're able to upgrade them and then um, just keep the other two guys on bench as cover or, or loophole options. There are two more players on the bubble being Jesse Motlop and Sam Butler. Uh, Butler's scoring hasn't been great and he's been holding out other players like Ned Long, Finn McGuinness, Connor McDonald, some of which we know quite well from our own teams. Uh, so I'd say even though he has DPP, have question marks in terms of his job security, but also the scoring while he's been in the team. And Motlop is playing as a small forward for Carlton. Job security doesn't actually look as bad. I don't think he'll get dropped the next week. They seem to be reasonably happy with playing a small Mosquito fleet there. But I'd say between Jeffrey, Stevens, Motlop and Butler, the two that we've covered already being Jeffrey and Stevens probably stand out a little bit more if you are looking for a forward or a midfield yep. rookie. Yeah, agree with that. Definitely. All right. On to value trade-ins and we'll start off with probably the standout trade-in option in terms of a premium this week. And that's Jack Sinclair. So he had a couple of 80s in a row and that's just cycling out of his price movements. And it's reflected in the fact that he is the most popular trade-in premium at time of recording the podcast. He's only at 530k. He went all the way up to 570 at one point and he's averaging 110 for the season. So it's actually a pretty good price for him. Playing in the midfield, drifting down back. He has North Melbourne to come this week as well, which is certainly something to look forward to as well. Facing a break-even of 67 and around 12 by defensive premium. Certainly looks like a top six defender, potentially. For, he could hold that for the whole year. So if anybody's still looking for a defensive upgrade, Sinclair definitely looks like the standout for the week. Absolutely. I've got him uh, right in my sights. 
round 12 is for a lot of teams, you can probably sneak another premium in at, at round 12 and Sinclair's scoring has just been fantastic this year. That Those two 80s that you mentioned, they're the only scores below a hundred he's had all year. If he can keep his scoring anywhere near what it's been at the first half of the season, I think 530 is a, a fantastic price to pay for him. Faz, you mentioned looking at a few other value premiums during your pre-show. Anybody else that you can call out in terms of listeners looking for a well-priced player? Absolutely. Ideally one that still has the ability to threaten for the top X in their position. The the first player I mentioned, I think we sort of alluded to this at the start of the show, but the next round of DPP changes are, are coming through after this week. And the two big names there are, are both Bulldogs players with Bailey Smith and Bontempelli, both looking at getting forward status as, as well as their current midfield status. Uh, and Bailey Smith at 552k, I think is a pretty tempting buy. He's got a break even of 65 and coming up against West Coast this week as well. So set to sort of rocket up in price. He's shown that sort of top end scoring that he's capable of this year with a couple of scores in the 130s, a a 144 against Collingwood two weeks ago. From what I've seen on Twitter, you almost have to never go into the forward line this week. And, and same goes for Bont to not get forward status. So if you can arrange an upgrade somewhere in your midfield this week to get Baz into your side and then be able to swing him into your forward line. And it's not all that pressing. It's not as if you have to do that immediately after he gets his DPP status, but just sort of by the time you're coming out of the buys, you'd probably find a way to work and get him into your forward line. I think Bailey Smith's the second best buy this week after Sinclair. Definitely looking at bringing him in if I can, particularly with that DPP uh, in mind. Uh, that's what I was saying. I, I'd really would have liked that to have dropped this week so I could move him straight into the forward line, but uh, I think he'll be a, a, a really popular pick, particularly once he gets that forward status added. Going a week early seems pretty safe at this stage. I think Bryce was the one that did the calculations pretty soon after the Bulldogs game and when Frico released the starting forward time from round 10. I think they both played about 50% up forward. Didn't stop either of them scoring 110, 115 plus. And both look like, you know, I was talking at the start of the show, having high end scoring ceiling in your team to be able to romp home and, and make gains in the second half of the season. Those two players fall definitely into that bracket. The question is just going to be, can you manage the buys being round 12 players? I know a lot of people brought in Laird last week, for example. So just a bit of a tricky buy, that's all. Yeah. And I think that th those two names as well are probably worth thinking about if anyone's looking at doing a forward upgrade this week. I think that really shifts the landscape when it comes to the, the top six players in the forward line, both Bontempelli and Bailey Smith sort of pretty comfortably slot into that top six. So anyone else that you might be considering, you've got to maybe rethink where they sit in the pecking order and, and whether they're a guy like Isaac Eni, who started the year really well and, and you know, might've early days, we, we thought sort of a lock for a top six forward, given that we've already got. Dunkley doing really well, Parker playing really well, Brody's looking like potentially a, a top six forward himself, Tim English, who's, if he keeps his scoring up when he comes back from his injury layoff, it's, it's pretty hard to see an Isaac Heaney and maybe we even have to think about our current selections of sort of Butters and Cogs, whether they, whether they hold their spot as a top forward. 
Anybody else you want to call out in the value stakes before we wrap the show, Faz? So we've gone round 12 buy with Sinclair, round 13 buy with Bailey Smith. You need a round 14 buy player. I think Christian Petrarca is still pretty nice value there at 585k. He's got a 95 break even, so not going to sort of skyrocket in price, but I, I think he's just been on a bit of a tear this year, similar to, to Melbourne as a team, but just continues to score really well. And uh, I think you can pair him with Oliver in your midfield and, and be pretty happy with, with that pick. I had the choice a couple of weeks ago between Brayshaw and Petrarca. Went with Brayshaw for sort of wanting a bit of diversity of teams, worried about COVID running through the, mid, the Melbourne midfield. But I think already a couple of weeks in, regretting that decision a bit. If you can't swing Bontempelli or, or Bailey Smith because of buys, I, I'd be jumping on Petrarca. All right, to wrap the show, just wanted to do a bit of a survey. How many rookies will you have left in your team after this round? Are we counting uh, Proust as a premium or a rookie? Premium, I think. <laughs> so I guess after, after this week, I expect that I'll probably still have two or three on field, depending on how my trades go with uh, McCartan, Clark, and possibly to coning up forward. But I've just got to work out uh, where some of these trades move players to. Yeah, and I'm planning on doing two upgrades this week. I sort of had to go sideways last week with Jack Steele's injury. The plan is to bring in Sinclair and do everything I can to try and find the cash for, for Bailey Smith. And that will then leave me with McCartan and DeConing as my two rookies on field. But I've also got Jordan Degoe, who is scoring worse than both of those rookies. So I probably should mention his name as well. I'll have DeConing or McCartan or Hayes, depending on how I'm able to loophole with just one player left. So just want to contextualize in terms of how close we all are finishing our teams and suspect most of the community would be in a similar boat. If you're finding yourself behind, it's a lesson about cadence for next season, but certainly impetus to prioritize continuing your upgrades versus side swapping a player like Rory Thompson. If you are in a position where you are behind the eight ball compared to uh, the front runners in terms of completing your team. Also in terms of sort of talking about where we're up to in the season, my, my plan this week is to use up my final trade boost to, to get those two upgrades done. So I'll be going into the buyers with no trade boosts left. So I don't know, you know, where that compares to the two of you. Uh, I've got, uh, one trade boost left, uh, but I'm not planning to use it this week. Yeah. I also have one trade boost left and I'm in between the two of you a bit undecided. If I do use the trade boost, it sounds like it might be similar to what you might be using it for Faz, which is to trade R Rory Thompson to Cleary undecided if that is a worthwhile trade move to be frank but otherwise i'll be using it hopefully to do some side swaps after round 12 before round 13 after we have our first class of buy free players to target Alrighty, and with that we'll sign off for the week thanks gents it's been great having you on any final thoughts for the week uh, if you can invite me on each week, if that's what my score is going to do, Marcus, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, uh, going on a bit of a holiday this weekend, so do everything I can to make sure I'm not watching the Essendon versus Port Adelaide game because, Dunny, <laughs> I, I think I know how that one's going to go, and I reckon you'll be you'll be feeling a bit better than I will. Uh, I hope you're right, Faz. I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and with that, we'll sign off for the week. See ya. See you, everyone. Bye. Bye.
crazy. Don't want this get 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 crazy.